listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 546. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we conclude our discussion of the Netflix mystery series, Bodies. And people out in listener land are saying, all right, Dave and Wayne, you concluding Bodies, what the hell's next? So what's next, Wayne? Uh, we are going to do 10 episodes of Black Mirror. However, However, in no particular order. In no particular well, order. No. Right. Well, there is a particular order. We just haven't yeah. revealed it yet. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, there's the particular order of like the first one that we're going to do and the last one. But all the ones in between are just kind of like not any particular order. We can okay. pretend. We'll, we can maybe say there's a particular order and have a contest to see who can guess what we based the order on. Oh, okay. Um, no. Um, <laughs> but if it, someone's anyway. clever enough to guess that you guys didn't put any thought at all into the order, then boom, there's your there's your winner. There's our winner, right. So anyway, we will post the list in the Facebook group sometime in the next few days. But as Wayne said, uh, first up will be, you did say, right? I did not. USS, USS Callister will be our first. Ah, one. there we go. Sorry. That was a no-brainer. The minute you said, how about Black Mirror, that was like, I'm like, that's the one episode that not only we absolutely had to do, but that um, we had to start off with that one. So, have you seen that one yet? I, you know, I don't remember okay. to be quite honest. You would, you, it was but, like the like the kind of Star Trek one. I don't remember. But, you would remember uh, if you saw it. So you okay. haven't seen it. Okay. Cool. Um, but anyway, if you guys out there are asking, all right, Black Mirror is cool, kind of out of the sort of thing you guys do. Well. We are going to do Fallout, which is going to debut on Prime Video in early April. And it's a show that, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan, Lisa Joy. Uh, I think they, Jonah Nolan. Oh, is it Jonah? Uh, right. It, ah, like, I'm, I'm sure. He's the one married to Lisa Joy. Oh, okay. So, and they're Nolan, the ones that but... usually work together. I mean, if Christopher okay, Nolan's okay. working on it, that would be awesome yeah. too but i probably um, feel like but anyway so we are going to do that uh yeah but uh that gave us 10 weeks to fill before that drops and and certainly one of the other things that was up for consideration is the netflix version of three body problem but um you know that we'll have to maybe wait for another time so all right, what are we watching? Um, this week for me, dude, it's what am I reading? Uh-oh. And you asked me, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, had I finished Peripheral. Right. And at the time, I told you I still had 20 pages, and you were like, oh, I'm wondering about your reaction to the end, and not going to you know, reveal the end. Right. But I assume you're referring to the, really? Yeah. That's how you're tying it yeah. up? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Yeah, I thought that that would be your reaction to it. Is mine as well. I mean, like, I, I, it wasn't terrible, but yeah, it's like. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, married and a kid. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, well, I am reading book two of the Jackpot series by William Gibson, oh, titled okay. Agency. Right. Uh, peripheral being book one, and so far the story follows a woman who's been hired to essentially alpha test or troubleshoot an AI with whom she communicates via these high-tech eyeglasses. 
and it takes place after the peripheral. And while we only hear about Flynn and the others in the county, we still have Wilf Netherton and Inspector Lowbeer as principal characters. Okay. I'm about 60, 70 pages in, and I'm liking it so far. Book three has not been written yet, as far as I understand. So it's meant to be a trilogy, but just just cool. have to wait. Yeah, so. I was I was at a Barnes and Noble in Williamsburg, Virginia, and I had agency in my hand. And I was really, really thinking about getting it. But you know, I realized we'd just been out to eat and I, you know, had a couple beers at the restaurant. So I'm like, you know, I shouldn't go buying books <laughs> like after uh, after you've had a couple. So I uh I'll, I'll probably get it from the library at some point. But Yeah, drunk drunk book buying. Drunk book buying. You don't wanna you don't wanna do you don't want don't drink and, and buy books. Yep. It's a dangerous so, all right, what combination. Do you got? So all right. Um, I got a couple things. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, like the ones that talked about last week, I guess. Um, so the first one is the Marvel series Echo, which is um, kind of a spinoff of uh, Hawkeye. And sorry, kind of spinoff of Hawkeye and kind of a spinoff of um, Daredevil. And uh it's been not well loved, I don't think, on online, but I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, the story was probably not great in and of itself, but um, you know, she basically it's this she's um she's has she's deaf. Also she is missing her lower part of one leg, but she's like this you know, kick ass. So she's kind of like the mirror image of, of Daredevil who's blind. Right. And so, but she's like a really, you know, kick ass fighter and everything. And, um, so we saw her at Hawkeye. She was kind of like, kind of a baddie, but not a hundred percent. And so here she actually goes home to, uh, she's an indigenous person. She goes home, I believe to Oklahoma and uh, her troubles kind of follow her there. Uh, but they do, it's such, like they tie in indigenous culture. I thought really, really well. And I'm not an expert by any chance, but I thought it was really good how they did that um, and how they made that part of the story. I thought that was my favorite part of the story um, when they it, they tied in the indigenous culture there. And that was really cool. Um, the actors were all great. Um, what's the Victor, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio? Back as Kingpin, fabulous. He's such. He was born to play that role. I think so. You know, it was. I you know, I, I say haters pshaw. I, I thought it was. It was actually pretty good. How would I rank? I don't know if I would rank it. I don't know where I would rank it with the other Marvel shows. You know, the Marvel shows not. I haven't really enjoyed them quite as much as like the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus. But Echo's worth it. I thought. Uh, the other one is the most recent. I don't think. I hope it's not the last season because it's certainly unresolved stuff at the end. But of uh, Lupin, which have you seen Lupin? Any of that? I I have, and I'm I'm aware of it. I just haven't gotten around yeah. to seeing it yet. Um, you know, it, the the first. I guess this was season three. I think uh, the first two seasons. I when I first watched, I probably binged them in like a couple of days. I mean, they're 
I think like the seasons are like six episodes long or something. So they go really fast. Uh, I did not go back and watch them before watching season three. I just kind of watched the trailer that uh, reminded me of everything that happened, which was fine. I was able to pretty much understand everything that was going on. But it's, it was, it's so, you know, I just, it's just such an enjoyable show, I think, um, for many. Well, first of all, they give a really strong central character. And season three really started delving into his childhood a lot more and everything. And, um, you know, involved because like, the main thing is, is uh, it's with his mother and, and trying to help her and everything. So it was, it was just really good and you know the relationships and this guy who was just super clever and you know a master thief and uh you know just all the every you know every episode he's got some kind of new way of you know of sneakily getting what he needs to get done and everything so you know it's really good i highly recommend uh lupin watch it in the french awesome all right, well, let's get to episode eight of season one of Bodies titled Know You Are Loved, written by Paul Tomlin, directed once again by Hao Lu Wang, who directed all four of the back half of the series, released October 19th, 2023. Dude, where do we even start? I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't even know, honestly. Um, but one thing. I will start with is uh, something Fred brings up in his feedback is that last week I, he had said that the relationship between Polly and Julian seemed to be a, a loving one. And I disagreed with that. And then, uh, and just as Fred, you co- totally call it in your feedback. As I was watching this last episode, I realized, Oh, that's, I was like projecting what little I remembered about this last episode um, onto that. And I did remember this bitter, acrimonious relationship, but that's not the original relationship. The original relationship, he, he was loved, right? It's just after um, Iris comes back and, and drops, you know, basically takes a nuclear bomb to Julian's life. Um, and then everything is different. And, the you know, the, and of course, the biggest difference is that instead of this you know, the, the loving relationship he had with his wife now is a very, very bitter and acrimonious relationship. Oh, yeah, but to be fair, it does happen fairly early in their relationship. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's not long after she gives birth to uh, baby Hayden. Right. So, well, it's um, just like, I mean, it's kind of like a microcosm because, well, I mean, I don't know if it happens quite so much anymore, but, you know, there's definitely old school parents who just stay together forever just because that's what you did. You didn't get divorced who were, you know, not in a good relationship. Uh, that happens, right? I don't think it happens quite as much. Divorce is much more common nowadays. And, and there's sometimes when, you know, divorce is better, right? I think than two people who despise each other uh, living together. But, you know, Polly, we talk about free will, Polly has her free will completely taken from her, right? Like, sure. like basically how Julian lays it out is like, if you want your child to exist, you need to toe the line and you need to be on script. And, uh, you know, so right from the, as you said, the very early stages of their relationship, you know, she is forced to be in this relationship with a person she, I, to say she hates him might be a bit strong because, you know, I don't know. But, you know, probably not completely inaccurate to say that. 
and she stays in this relationship with this person she despises because she needs things to go the way they've gone so her child can exist. You know, which is again the the same with which kind of is the opposite of what Hassan is doing, right? She's trying to change things so her child can exist. I didn't think about that till right now. That's pretty good, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, but th- but that of course begs the question why she would believe this fantastical tale that her husband's telling her. So in, um, in terms <laughs> of free will, that that's why she stays with him. I guess from a narrative perspective, all right, fine. Yeah. Don't ask too many questions. Just accept and move on. And all right, fair point. Um, yeah, which is a fair thing- amount of that in, in bodies, actually. There's like stuff that you said, but why did? And then you're like, uh, you know, yeah, let's just. Well, well there is a lot that doesn't get explained right. that even a, a, a cursory explanation would have been nice given we're not expected to get a second season. But certainly one of the things that comes up in this episode goes back to the catalyst for the regret that future Elias eventually has. And I mean, there, there are a lot of possibilities. I mean, is it the re-recording of the final record that then once it's played for young Elias that, Oh, that's what it is. Right. You know, is it, is it something else? Well, you know, it, well, I think there's it's a lot of things, right? Um, it's obviously the recording where he hears himself. Of course, a fifteen year old, fifteen year olds tend to have a healthy amount of doubt uh, when referring to adults and in their relationships with adults. So he can maybe even blow it off as like ah, you know, AI or something that they made that up. Uh, but then his mother comes out. Well, first of all, uh, Shahara hugs, but I guess Shahara hugs him after he tore it up, right? Yes, I believe right. so. So he took right. So he tore the number up uh, before Shahara hugged him, and then his mother comes out and she hugs him. So even obviously that's a big change, like his mother acknowledging him in the first place, but also then um, you know coming out and giving and loving him. Uh, but he had already ripped it up. So that, I was actually wondering the second time I watched this well, it was actually the third time in a row. But you know. Does he, even after he rips that up, did he have like the number memorized or something that he still maybe intended potentially? Like you still, it was still in question that he might call that number. And it wasn't until his mother came out and hugged him that he finally made the decision, I'm not going to do it. And then that's when he disappears. Yeah, well, it, well, it could be. And now I watch way more British dramas than you do. And dude, I don't know if you've seen what a British telephone number looks like, but. <laughs> uh, if if dude looked at that and memorized it, then well, uh, I mean, I just gotta say, this is a kid who has obviously demonstrable mental memory uh, superpowers, I guess okay. to call it, because there's a ton but, of stuff he had to remember when he went back in time, as we talked about last week. But but see, I guess the other thing, what do we have here? I mean, is this a new loop? I mean, in, in this loop, we were just talking about Polly detesting her husband. But in this episode, in this loop, she doesn't want anything to do with her baby right from the start. Right, right. And that's not how we saw things earlier. 
No. Um, you know, in this one, Whiteman shoots Harker in the head. Uh, you know, only one shot. Right. Um, you know, classic before, Johnny Casper style. But it, it, the first time he he shot him twice in the chest. I think he might have put one in the brain after he shot uh, him in the chest. Because uh, like maybe. the angle we had, like the, okay. we don't really that that we didn't one hundred percent see. I just assumed he put one in the head because the camera was um, behind Whiteman. And so he was kind of, you know, we didn't really see, uh, I don't think we really saw Julian's uh, body enough to know where he definitely got shot in the chest first. That okay. second well, shot. Well, what about Whiteman, right? We saw him hanged yeah. earl- earlier and here he's Goes out like shot body dead in the bar. Yo. So, so what, what do we have here? I, I, I guess, and and I we don't get any kind of an answer, and, and that's fine. It, look, how many times have we said we're, we're certainly fine with, uh, you know, leaving it up to the imagination sure. of the viewer to to explain what happened, and and okay, fine, <laughs> because I'm not sure what we have here. Is this a new loop? Is it a parallel loop? You know, is it a branched loop? Uh, don't know i mean it, you know is that loop that we saw in the first seven episodes still around it's just that we're not looking at it anymore yeah uh i that could very well be i think this is the episode i finally gave up trying to intellectualize what is actually happening it's just kind of rolling with it because like we actually have like a almost back to the future moment where Shahara is like, wait, things are changing. I have different memories, you know. Like she's conscious of that things are, are that she's different and she has changed. Things have changed. So how does that tie in with everything? Does that mean everyone, like on everyone on Earth, all of a sudden be like, hey, what the hell? Why is everything so weird and different now? You know, like, and then she, you know, finds herself back. A couple of days ago, right? She finds herself. I, I can't remember how long it's been, uh, but it's just been a couple of days, I think, since the beginning of the series. Ultimately, she's back to where she was at the beginning of episode one, right? Right, right. It's her father's birthday that day, yeah. and, and she goes to police the white supremacist rally. Yep. But Barber is no longer her you know, officer in charge at some other dude. No, 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 no. That dude was there the first time too. I actually, oh, was he? Okay. I actually went back and, and, and looked because I'm like, oh, I wonder if his barber giving her, and then I look back and it was the same dude. Okay. So everything uh, about that beginning part of them getting out of the van, someone throws something at the van right before they get out, then they get out, and that guy, that speech he gives them, is I think exactly the same as he did in episode one. So I guess maybe that's a hint is like most things didn't really change at all, but some things did, you know, or did they, well, we'll get to the end, uh, you know, right. in a little bit, but, but back to the catalyst, I mean, is it Hilling's head, Hillinghead's final meeting with Harker, you know, is that what prompts eventually the, this, um, regret that young future Elias will not detonate the bomb. And of course, Hillinghead's meeting with Harker in, in which he refers to him as Elias Mannix. And it's like, what did you call me? Yeah. And, and, and that's because 
of Maplewood being right. in the prison cell next to him. And, and again, yep. it, at least he has the appropriate response when she's like, I'm from the future. And he's like, while well, I was like, do you read science fiction? Yeah. Science what? Science what? <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess makes sense because Jules Verne is, is I guess, just kind of becoming popular in H.G. Wells at this point. I'm sure. not even sure if they called it science fiction at that point. But uh, um, so uh, we're not going to get an answer as to what causes that. Well, I think it's unquestionably that Iris, when she went back in time, she didn't travel to London. She traveled right in the Julian's head. You know, and she like she just set up residence and he didn't, didn't even talk to her through the medium of Hillinghead. You know, she is able to, like, just completely mind F. Uh, so this is the point, actually, where before it's really easy at one point to call him Elias. Is He's Elias here, and he's Julian here. But now he's, like, after after Alfred calls him, tells him that, you know, I know who you are, calls him Elias Mannix, now I think he is – no longer just Julian. Now he's also Elias. So I made up a name, Dave. We should have been using this all along. I could switch it before, but I came up with Manker. I like it. Yeah. And it also like rhymes it. with an English insult that I will not repeat, but I thought that also is a second level because he's also that as well. But um, so, but yeah, I mean, for sure, I, you know, Iris tells everything to Alfred. She, and I think probably what really sells him is when she's like, they're going to kill you. You're going to die on your way. And when he realizes, when the, the carriage stops, he's like, wow, no, I guess she was right after all. And this, this, you know, whereas before he was like screaming and trying to break out of his manacles to get at Elias, this time he's just calmly sitting there saying, I know who you are and everything. And, um, you know, it, that he just poisons the rest of Manker's life. I, I mean, the the opening scene we we find ourselves in 1890 and Iris struggling, you know, to get out of the street and cover her naked body, and and of course that's when she sees Hillinghead's name scratched on the brick, and then of course, you know, when we are later in uh, the future, and it's like I wonder if she succeeded, and you know, they go and look and they see Maplewood's name. Uh, scratched in the brick but you know some of the lines when, when she's in the cell next to uh hillinghead we're all from the future you left a message for the future and here i am <laughs> and it's like the 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 naivete that she exhibits as she says that mm-hmm. i mean she's brilliant I, you know so i don't mean to you know suggest otherwise obviously time is of the essence she knows that like you just said she knows what's going to happen to hillinghead shortly and and she tries to convey that whether that's what changes things don't know i guess he figures look i'll just throw out elias mannix what do i got to lose if she's right and i'm gonna die i'm at least gonna freak him out which of course it does but but she tells hillinghead I've come here to stop Julian Harker from starting a loop that must be broken. And then we go back to, well, wait a minute. There's no beginning, no end. So again, I don't, don't want to belabor that 
issue that I clearly have trouble letting go of with well, time it's just, loops. But. Yeah, you know, I, I thought maybe we had, I had kind of worked it out, like saying that things are actually kind of linear, but um, but they're they're not exactly, but they did break the loop, and things are different, right? We see Esther, like I, I think the one thing we look at, Esther is alive, right? Yeah. You see Esther alive running through the streets, and, and uh, Whitehead doesn't know who she is. Yeah, we see... Uh, Alfred and Henry have a little meet cute, I guess. Like, who knows where that's going to go? But that's different. And of course, Shahara, um, you know, gets reset back to the beginning, and everything is fine and dandy with her as well. So we do see that things are different for at least for our our detectives, right? And Elias yeah, but- is gone. Elias has winked himself out of existence by not, you know, by not existing ever. But then we get to that final scene in the cab that kind of throws all of these reasonable explanations. Right. I don't want to say out the window, but but causes us to you know wonder you know whether the the loop has been broken, the timeline's been reset. Um, I mean, she tells Hillinghead, "You'll be whoever you were before you found the body." And as you said, you know, we see Hillingheads down the street and we see that little boy that stole an apple ushered into the police wagon. And as you said, uh, he and Henry notice each other on the street. Okay, fine. But um, again, is this a different timeline or is it a reset or are those two just one and the same? And I'm you know, getting right. Yeah, maybe too, I, I, too complicated. I, uh, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think ultimately the show doesn't really answer that question at all. Like they don't even really address it. I guess we just know that, you know, things were one way for all these characters before, and now things are different for all these characters. Cause I don't like, I don't think the show really, you know, gives us any kind of, reasonable answer as to like what exactly is going on like with loops like is this right is this another reality that's a great question right um i i start thinking of it as like you know we kind of like they loop back but now the when the timeline is like runs parallel to the old one right because now it's new it's different and we actually see three different realities happen right we see the 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 one that the 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 Julian Harker, you know, Mannix, Elias Mannix one that is kind of like the base. Oh, the, the the second one is then when Iris goes back, and now it's kind of like this different version of the previous timeline, but things are different now, especially for Elias, right? And then finally, once Elias does not set off the bomb. Now we have a third one, and now Esther's alive. Uh, Henry and Alfred just kind of passingly meet in the street. Uh, Shahara goes is back with her family, uh, you know. So there's like those three different things happen. Is it all part of a singular singular timeline? Is it wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff that's just you can't really explain? Or is this an alternate reality, parallel universes, like you said? 
you know, I think all of those could reasonably be the the answer, but I don't think the show really provides us any of those. Well, well, Iris goes back twice to two different time periods. Right. I mean, we, we she goes back to 1890, and what other explanation can we reasonably have for her being in the cab in 2023 yeah. with Shahara in the back? Well, and K-Y-A-L off in the distance, right? But this is 2023, so... Right. But you, you saw that, right? The, the sure. The building in the distance. Right. Exactly. So, so to know you are loved is still around. Right. Now, when you say still around, I mean, it didn't get its genesis until 2023 in our other timeline. Here, it clearly had to start much earlier than 2023 because. No, KYAL was started back in 1890. Well, okay. Right, right, right. Good point. Well, it could have this time as well. I mean, who knows what Iris got up to. After you know they, I, you know I don't assume they didn't, um, you know, execute her for being naked in the street. So right. did she, you know, did she find her own Lady Harker to to start her own, you know, cult or whatever? Um, did she go back like like Gabriel? Right? Did did she uh, go back to multiple time periods? Did her body get transported to different time periods? And ironically, she's going to need something to assist her to be able to walk, not unlike Julian right. uh, or, right. or Mannix, who, who needed the walking stick, which is, you know, as we said last time, one of the clues that uh, um, you know, provided some answers. But, he, yeah, so, so how did KYAL – you know, get to the prominence it clearly has in 2023. I mean, we don't see it having any kind of prominence in 2023 in the first timeline. As you said, they've been working behind the scenes, right? we assume, but, you know, it it seems to be more in the shadows than out in the open the way it is now. So what's the deal? Why has she come back? Uh, obviously the two of them don't recognize each other and, and there's no reason. Well, I think I to think they should definitely, I mean, she calls Shahara by name. Right, right. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's, right, right. Yeah. It's the Hassan does not recognize Iris. You know, so in, in 2053, which is kind of the, the second story we, we see, you know, if it's worked, we shouldn't be here, but we are. Defoe tells Hassan right. when, you know, she asks if, if Iris going back worked. So, you know, why do some people disappear and some people don't? Yeah, and, right. Well, and actually his assessment of that was, I think, inaccurate because both he and Hassan were born before 2023. So, like, not necessarily, right? Like, just because you change things. You two probably are still here, like, you know, um, unless the world got completely changed. But as we see, I don't think the world got completely changed. It seems like pretty much everything is happening as before, right? Except that without Elias Mannix. Right. And, you know, things will be, you know, vastly different between 2023 and 2053. But otherwise, right. Hassan's looks- still a single mom living with her dad. Yeah, right. I think she still goes to the 
the the riot of the the National Front or the not riot the uh, the, the parade the National Front parade. Um, the same guy uh, tells her, you know, says thank you for helping us out. Uh, the the same I can't remember the name of her her friend who got blown up later. Um, he's still there, you know. So everything's pretty much the same, um, you know. Uh, with Hillinghead, uh, I, I think Alan from England had wondered whether originally he let the mom get in the in the uh, the, ca- the carriage with her son, and I meant to go back and rewatch that, but I'm like ninety five percent sure he did. I think he did as well. Right. So again, there things basically the same. Right, it's just not no longer that influence of time travel, which even though we said was incredibly influential, well, maybe it wasn't quite as influential as we thought. But you know that when he says that, like we shouldn't be here, like it just reminded me of that that one scene. I can't remember the character's name or the actor's name, but you know, in Continuum, where you know they were wondering if you know if like your mother or grandparent gets killed, do you disappear and? The, the dude's grandmother does get killed uh, and, and he just sits there looking at his hands, you know, like he's expecting to, to disappear any moment now and it, it didn't happen. So, um, again, uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey, I guess. Yeah, well, that that was Matthew Kellogg in That's in, uh, Kellogg. in Continuum, but but it, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I believe it's. Uh, Fred that brings it up in his feedback about um, uh, let me just look up oh yeah he says why doesn't Defoe send Mannix way back right right he he tells Defoe set it for eighteen ninety and Fred asks well why didn't Defoe since Defoe wants to stop Mannix right. why doesn't he just send them back to you know you know. 980 and you know let yeah. the last vestiges of the vikings take right over. right that, um, that would be a, a good call uh, because that's what kira's team does with matthew kellogg and continuum in, in the final episode of the series you know he thinks he's going i forget where he thinks he's going but he finds himself in the middle of you know, what looks like a you know the brazilian rainforest and these ancient uh you know native uh, like native South Americans um, with, uh, you know, arrows and blow darts converging on him. So, you know, clearly that's what they did there. And, and of course, that's a good question that, that Fred raises. That seems kind of rather obvious why you wouldn't do that, but whatever. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it is a good question. Like, why, yeah, why, why did he not, right? If he was sitting there, it's not like, does you know, Mannix have the ability to, you know, know how to set it. Obviously he does it. He makes uh, Gabriel do it, right? So, I don't know. I, 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 I chalk that up to as one of the many things in this where you just kind of have to – there's a lot of stuff about it you just kind of have to accept, you know. And I think ultimately, while the, the time travel and all this – we've had – I've had a blast talking about it every week for the past two months – I think ultimately maybe the, the time travel doesn't even matter so much because it's the characters that we're really worried about and the characters we're concerned about. And so in the end, um, I think it's just like the end of Inception where he's like, "Is where is Dominic? And, and I think I, Christopher Nolan, I thought, said, 
Well, it doesn't matter where he actually is because he's happy, right? He's settled. He's 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 gotten what he's got. So where, where wherever he actually is, it doesn't matter. So maybe that's kind of like the you know the end of it. It's like doesn't really matter the the forensics of it, right? I don't even know that's the right word to use, but it sounds good. But that just that these characters are in better places now. Yeah, and and I mean. Is it critical that we get an explanation for how all of this plays out, you know, uh, based on what you just said? And I agree with you. If it's about the characters, not really, you you know, because we have developed a relationship with these characters and not to go off on a money heist tangent. That's all right. Go for it, man. That's the beauty of money heist. And um, absolutely. Just uh, full disclosure. I have started a rewatch where I'm not fast forwarding and I, I did, I've mentioned and see here I'm going off, but uh, we're, we're fine on time this week for <laughs> once. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned that, that I do a lot of the advanced scouting for what my wife and I are going to watch during the week um, and on the weekends. Uh, and, and very often I will check out a show, watch the first episode and then report back. And, uh, sneakily i've done this on more than one occasion but what i did knowing i need to do a rewatch and and you know not skip through stuff so i told her i said look i'm going to do a rewatch why don't you just watch it with me and then if you know halfway through the first episode if you're not into it dude we burned off five that first night yeah i told you she'd um, and, like it man yeah you were right <laughs> uh, i told her that yep so uh you know we are probably finish part two tonight awesome but 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 you know you know it's so much about the characters yes it's of course it's about the heist uh, and 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 about the intricacies of of how they uh execute all of this stuff but but like right here where we can understand the intricacies of the professor's plan in money heist we might say, yeah, it's kind of far-fetched, but whatever. But we at least can, <laughs> we, we at least can, yeah, we at least Some understand. Of those are, are well into the realm of far-fetched, but like you said, it doesn't matter though, right? Right. And, and we can at least understand it on an intellectual level. Whereas here we have really, I don't want to say no clue because we've, we've put out some possibilities. So whether it's, you know, uh, the, the same timeline has reset which then kind of throws out the whole idea of a loop with no beginning, no end. I guess you could say that, well, it still doesn't have a beginning and an end. It's just that the loop has changed. Like, okay. Uh, Possibility that that original loop is, you know, still going on. and, And what we now have is a second loop. All right. That's possible. So whether it's a, parallel timeline it's not like we haven't been that down that road before with other shows right so yeah Yeah, but yeah i mean we just so it's so weird how like when we see them in 2053 right like one thing is like how they keep finding new stuff on the bricks right like and they realize so wait that wasn't there before and now you know it's like well it should have been right like if if Iris went back into the past, the Whiteman scra- scrawled his stuff on there in 1941. It should have been there 
all along, but they only see it. So that's why it's almost like there is a linear type thing going on here because, you know, like Whiteman scrawls like pint Hassan or Shahara, you know, on the brick. And then they see it in the future, right? They didn't see it before, but now they do see it. So it does seem like there's a, a kind of a, some kind of linear causality going on here. Um, and then, you know, we also had said how, you know, Shahara um, recognizing that her memories are changing and her experiences are changing. Right. And I mean, we would have to assume Hillinghead is the first detective to scratch his name in the brick, but wouldn't Maplewood be the second? Yeah. And then Whitehead, the third. Yes. Right. So. Uh, Whiteman. So do Iris and Whiteman ever physically connect? I mean, she you figure she's about 30 when she goes back to 1890, which right. would mean she's 81 or so yeah. in 1941, which means clearly she could still be alive. Sure. Uh, I mean, we don't know the full impact of you know her genetic condition i mean certainly we know the the physical aspects we don't right. know whether that inhibits her her lifespan or anything like that but well yeah. and also you know does she does she start her own version of know you are loved right because we see right. it's in existence in 2023 so does she do something back then does you know i, I who knows uh, you know uh, the the whole thing about a, a a season two of this, you know, I still feel like, in, in some ways, I feel like maybe that last scene is a bit of a cheat. You know, like the story was done; they they told their story, and then they throw this little wrench in at the end. You know, if you that which would be perfect if there was going to be a season two, but I'm fairly certain there's not. So. You know, why are you, why are you doing that? You know, unless the original graphic novel maybe ended that way and they ended the same way the graphic novel did, then, okay, fair play. I get why you did it then. Right, but but it gets back to what you just said. Who, who starts KYAL in 2023? I mean, the version that that has, you know, now, now blossomed in 2023. Right, which probably uh, be- is, like before, has been around for ages, right? Right, but but it, still, it goes back to we see uh, Elias Mannix blink out of existence in 2023. So, is that it? Is is there no Julian Harker other than the one that was killed in the war? Yeah, I would, yeah, right. And then Elias Mannix just no, literally doesn't exist ever because right, you know, the whole thing. His causality, his existence was based on his existence, I guess. Right. So then do we assume that it's uh, Iris Maplewood that is the uh, progenitor of Know You Are Loved? Maybe. I like it. I like it. Maybe. All right. What else? I got, I'm all (laughs) over the place with my notes here. So, I mean, we, you know, we had talked about how really all of this, was just as as we see here, right? Like the whole reason that Elias Mannix goes back in time is just he wants to be loved, and you know, he, you know when when uh, Polly 
won't hold the baby, baby Hayden. He's like, you know, let him know he is love. No life should start with such coldness and pain, you know, like, but, uh, you know, coldness and pain, unfortunately. And and that's the one thing he says. He tells himself that record that, that pain never went away. He feels it every day. You know, that and Polly saying, you know, is how do you die? It must be soon. Is it me? Do I kill you? Oh, God, I hope it's me. Like, wow. <laughs> like, man, you need couples therapy right there. So <laughs> I know. You know, uh, it was actually kind of touching that scene where, you know, uh, Whiteman goes to kill him and he calls him Carl Weissman. And that's kind of what gets him to pause and changes him from the, uh, you know, the hand of vengeance to, as he says, right before he's killed, you know, one good thing, you know, like he's going to do one good thing. And that's, that ties back to, you know, even his discussion with, with the rabbi after Esther was killed. And, you know, he's basically like saying, you know, you know, you have to, you have to make it right for that kid, right? Like who's, you know, she can't, she's already dead, but you know, like basically like vengeance might not be your, your way, your road to, um, to reconciliation here to use a Catholic term. I think it was a bit of a jump that the word pint would lead her to the exact right pub, you know, but she did go there earlier, right? Because she, once she got on the trail, right, of, of Whiteman, once she found out about Whiteman, she, she traced him to that pub, right? Because she yeah. saw, we saw the picture before. Um, so how, how he knew that, how he knew by saying pint would get her, I don't know. But again, that's another thing. It's just like, ah, I don't worry about it. Just enjoy the, <laughs> enjoy the, you know, he finally, he doesn't really ever get to enjoy that cigar, you know, like that Ben he's had since the, the episode one, I think. So, Oh, the, the, the numbers after, um, after Whiteman is killed, right? The, the year ticker thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. They go, in fact, it flashes zero, 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 yeah, zero yeah, for yeah. a split second. Yeah. So that's, I think one of the things that started me thinking, it could be something other than a reset of that timeline, although somebody might say, well, yeah, but that's kind of an argument for the reset of the same timeline. And yeah, I guess I couldn't argue that that would be, that would be uh, right. Reasonable. I think that it, it might suggest, like I said, like a more linear kind of thing going on here though. I feel like Whiteman didn't, he got a lot done in a very little amount of time, you know, like he was able to hide the record behind the picture. Probably had to wipe the blood off cause he's bleeding all over the place. Uh, carve in the little, um, you know, the, the symbol, the symbol, the time travel symbol. And, Oh, and then before that he wrote a little message to Shahara on the record as well and still had time to pour himself a drink and light up a cigar uh, before, you know, getting violently shot. But so, but I'm not going to nitpick here. Um, what's with the Harker boys who just want to talk shit to dead bodies, right? Yeah. 
That's a good question. Like Julian's kind of like, I'm going to be happy to, you know, to Alfred back in 1890. And then, you know, Hayden, uh, you know, delivering his, well, I can't remember what he said, like, but, you know, I mean, he's dead, dude. He's, you know, like, I don't know why you're kind of talking smack to him now. He's, he's definitely dead. So. Oh, the uh, the posters? Did you see the posters in Whiteman? Oh, yeah, for... Uh, for Polly Hillyhead's concert? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it seems yeah, I think we mentioned that a few weeks back, maybe. Oh, they were there before? Well, I mean, because we were oh, ag- oh, acknowledging okay. that uh, we were going to spoil. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, Polly looks like she had a, you know, she was able to pursue her, her passion of playing the, yeah. the piano there. Yeah. Um, instead of getting your brains blow out while she's playing the piano. Right. Manker tells Whiteman to, uh, um, he needs to get the record to Shahara Hassan. He's like, Shahara who? <laughs> you know, he's never heard like, you know, a, a name like that before. So that was kind of funny. A little bit of levity in the very intense situations. Oh, well, you know, Iris not only has gotten into Julian's head, but it looks like she's also gotten into his junk as well because, you know, looks like he's having some performance issues with Polly outside of thinking I'm having sex with my great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, whatever. But uh, which would, you know, could be prohibitive to some people. So, Um, All right. I think I'm... I, th- I don't know. I I think I'm good. Am I good? I don't know. Is there more stuff? You're good. I don't know. Nah, you tell me. You're good. You're good. So, all right, let's get into listener feedback and we'll go to email first. Dear Dave and Wayne, Alan from Germany here again. No. <laughs> Suzanne's checking in via email. Uh, she says, feel free to call me that if it's easier for you. Before I give a little feedback, I will say that, of course, the best part of your last episode was Dave saying, we have to go back, Jack. I can't put out to hear those words all over again. I know. I knew you would agree. <laughs> uh, I have, meanwhile, caught up on your body's coverage, and it really helped me with all the puzzle pieces, only having seen it once, so thank you for the good discussions. In general, I liked all of what you said about the concept of free will. Uh, thanks for your speeches on that, Wayne. And I liked what you said about Lady Harker and her motives for accepting Julian as her son. Very well put. The barely existing age difference between Polly Hillinghead and her father bothered me so much. Thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) By the way, was it just me or did you keep saying Hillingshead in your first episode? It was driving me crazy. Uh, Probably we were. Didn't mean to drive you crazy. But, you know, someone might have been doing it. Uh, also wayne's observation regarding harker's developing accent was interesting i didn't notice that despite watching it in english furthermore i did appreciate the explanation for why the bullet in gabriel's head didn't time travel very logical but i didn't think of it myself and whiteman was also my favorite character i loved his chemistry with esther yeah that was yeah i think we said that was pretty cool Uh, Apart from your body's recaps, it was interesting to hear Wayne's final assessment on succession, and I can certainly see what you mean, but at least you know that piece of pop culture now. Yeah. Speaking of which, The Truman Show, 
should have been part of your movie session, Dave. I'm shocked that you have never watched it. I bet you didn't miss my annoying comments, though, right? (laughs) Thank you for not spoiling Money Heist, since I am still planning on watching that. Oh, and I loved Wayne's snowblower story, as well as Dave's deer anecdote. Very entertaining. Hopefully it wasn't too entertaining for the deer, but I think he scampered off and seemed to be no worse for wear. Uh, thanks to plastic bumpers. Um, and Dave talking about the drug ads he keeps seeing was hilarious. Finally, even though it's been a while, thank you to Fred for at least briefly saying something about the Dutch election. I was looking forward to his opinion last year after hearing the rather disappointing results on the news. Let's still hope for the best for your country and also for the various state elections here in Germany this year. Thanks again for covering bodies. I'm curious what you will cover next. Until next time, all the best. Suzanne, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Suzanne. So, Once again, awesome right, well, Cracker Jack feedback there. Well done. Yep. So, uh, all right, we'll get to the audio portion and be right back. This is Alan from Minnesota, or maybe I should say Fred from Minnesota. I have to disagree with Dave on the two movies he mentioned last week. I didn't like Barbie, and I hated Promising Young Woman, although for some reason I knuckled down and stuck with it all the way through. Like Wayne, one of my favorite TV critics, Dan Feinberg, also lamented the end of Letterkenny. I don't currently have Hulu, but when I get it again this spring for a month, I clearly need to check it out. I've been watching Scavenger's Reign on Max, some truly inventive and sophisticated sci-fi there. Anyone hearing my words right now, meaning they are by definition serious science fiction fans, definitely needs to check it out. Turning to the Bodies finale, although I did like this finale better than the penultimate episode, I found it a bit sappy for my taste, and ironically, given the fact that I felt they padded things out too much in the penultimate episode, The finale kind of rushed through and wrapped things up too quickly, I thought. They never did explain why Defoe was in a tank or how they came up with the nuke in 1941. I suppose on the latter question, the fact that Elias knew one was possible could help him accelerate the process if he had scientists in his cult. But there's also the matter of obtaining the uranium and all the other Manhattan Project logistics issues that were shown in Oppenheimer, so remains a bit dubious. Speaking of his cult, we were also never really given any indication of how that was formed or maintained after his death, not to mention how his younger self went from standing in a field with the stolen cell phone in his hand, having just triggered a nuclear weapon in plain view of a detective, and having previously been arrested for murder, to becoming the commander. That's quite a leap, a bit beyond Hitler's journey after the beer hall pooch. I also thought they were presenting that bank vault like it had not been accessed for many years, which was kind of a cool idea except that it had a cell phone trigger attached to the bomb. Overall, I ended up rating the eight episodes as follows on a five-star scale. Four, four, five, four, five, five, three, four. You could interpret that different ways. The average rating for the back half was actually identical to the average for the first four, but clearly I felt like the middle four were the strongest part of the season. 
Overall, a 4.25 average is very solid, albeit not spectacular. Looking forward to finding out what show you guys plan to tackle next. Hello to Dave, Wayne, Fred, and any other number of Alans at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, entirely with feedback about Bodies, Episode 8, Know You Are Loved. The titles reveal a vinyl record, presumably the final record which subtly alters the loop. Talking of loops, in the previous episode you were analysing that I don't think the characters are repeating a loop or are conscious of repeating actions in a loop. I think that when Defoe talks about trying and trying to stop Mannix, he just meant a number of attempts during the years leading up to 2051 rather than in repeated looping cycles or something. Well, that's my take on it anyway. In fact, I don't think anyone was directly consciously experiencing loops in dark either despite what Adam kept saying. Maplewood has indeed made it back to 1890, but what a struggle she has. No technology to assist her in those days. In 2051, just after that jump, Defoe's eye is all patched up. He reminds me of that character in Dark. Now, was it Waller, the police guy, with the eye patch? The origin of which was totally never explained, and I wondered if this was a nod to that situation. Then it's like dominoes falling. Maplewood influences Hillinghead, but only because he ends up in the jail next door, who in turn influences Harker, just enough to sow seeds of doubt of regret, which then casts a shadow over everything in Harker's world, including his relationship with Polly, and especially hers with both him and their son, and eventually leads to altering that final recording via Whiteman to Hassan, jumping that to 2023, when the record still exists in that pub, to eventually influence the younger Elias. What a chain of events that was. It was interesting to see the shock on Harker's face when Hillinghead reveals so much of what Harker thought only he himself would know. When the time loop is altered, it is lovely to see Whiteman and especially young Esther alive and well, and probably still up to their old tricks back in 1941, and then to see Hillinghead smiling at Ash as if in recognition of something. And then he allows that mother to go with her boy to the jail. And I'm trying to remember if that's what happened the first time or whether the boy had to go by themselves. Uh, well, I might need another rewatch. Finally, Hassan in 2023 is in the taxi and who pops up but Maplewood. And then in the distance, we see the KYAL Know You Are Love sign illuminating. Now, both of these things are not really in keeping with the original loop at that time, or the revised loop, yet as far as we know. One can imagine that in the revised, non-bombed 2053, the throat still is a thing, no reason why not, and there's been some other time-jumping shenanigans which sets up for a second season in case that ever happens. Or maybe, like Dark, it's not jumping in time, but between similar realities. I'm very eager to see what reality or fantasy we jump into next week. For now, take care. Alan from England. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred's audio feedback number 312 for the miniseries Bodies Season 1, Episode 8, which is the Season 1 and probably series finale. 
Coming back to last week's podcast first. I gave some feedback about that Elias Mannings traveled back to 1889 instead of 1890, although he forced Daniel Defoe to put a strut on 1890. Though I thought that was an inconsistency in that episode 7. And you didn't react to that. But now that gave me actually an idea. Namely, why didn't Daniel Defoe put it on another year, instead of 1890 or 1889, let's say on 1700-so-and-so-much, or somewhere in the future, whatever. So, getting rid of Mannix in that way. One of his minions was, of course, threatening Shahara, but after he poofed away, that minion wouldn't know where he would have went. So Shahara and Daniel were trying to break the loop. Well, that was one of the possibilities to break the loop. Perhaps causing another loop, but okay. You did, by the way, talk about the fact that when Mannix arrived in 1889 and talked to Lady Harker, that just within one year he changed into the posh aristocrat he became and that he already had gained his position just in one year at the time that Daniel DeVoe arrives in Long Harvest Lane. But it still doesn't explain why he arrived in 1889, although he said to Daniel DeVoe to put the strut on 1890. And I really watched that scene again and he really says 1890. Okay, let's go into episode 8. I think it was a very good thing that Alfred Hillinghead landed up in jail with Maplewood. If he just would have gone to the jail and talked to her and heard her crazy story, he would have walked away and didn't listen to it all, but because he is incarcerated himself, he had to listen to her and used it afterwards very wisely towards Elias Manick. And that really made the big change, because also Polly says, the evening that my father died, you changed. I have to admit, I actually had forgotten quite a bit of this episode. In one of the previous podcasts, I wondered how it would be if Polly would know that Julian played a role in her father's death. Well, that's actually what we see in this episode. Their relationship became quite cold. In contrast to previously, although Wayne is doubting that. I said that I found them still quite a loving couple when Polly went to kill Esther. And Wayne didn't agree on that. But if you now see how these scenes now play, this is the chilly setting. Whereas previously it was much, much less chilly. So what did I like about this episode? I liked very much that in the ending that Elias poofs away and then a little later then the old Shahara poofs away and then we get a reset actually so that Shahara is back with her son and her father who has his birthday. So what they also took away here is that actually Shahara ever met Sarah because we get a reset at her home. And then we get all the scenes of Hillinghead, Whiteman, that their actual lives are restored. Or, you should actually say, nothing has changed. What did I dislike? And, and that's actually the final scene where suddenly Maplewood is driving that cab. 
that is bonkers and disturbs the whole idea of that the normal world is restored. Because we know that she is born a few years before 2023, so she is much too young to drive a cab. So did she time travel here and land it up in 2023? And why did she time travel? I mean, the whole other story, the alias Mannix, Julian Harker story, is not existing. I think it should be a miniseries that ends here, and this opens it again in a very strange and awkward way. In the whole illogical setting of time travel, this is even more weird. One final thought I wanted to share is why, for instance, Barber goes to this boat and knows that he got shot, etc. Well, if he doesn't go to that boat and doesn't cooperate, I think he is about 40 years of age. So he got a whole life of 40 years because he does this. So that is his gain. If he wouldn't do that and doesn't let himself be shot on the boat, he wouldn't even have a life of 40 years. Okay, thank you for this ride. Normally I'm thanking you for introducing me to a new series, but in this case I had already seen it and picked it by myself. Nevertheless, thanks for the podcast. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. And of course, I'm curious what you're going to do next. Um, You know, Alan in Minnesota totally agree. Unanswered questions, especially about Defoe in the tank. Like, you know, I mean, what's the deal with that? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's messed up, right? I don't know. Maybe he just needs it for the the painting. I guess, or is it just is it that detail that helps sell your idea to potential cult members? Yeah, yeah, true. I I mean, I don't know what else. Um, You know, a bit more clothes on that man, though. Like, let him some dignity. This yeah, is just his, you know, his horn hanging out for all everyone to see. Yeah, Smart well, man. you know, when we first see Polly and she sees the painting, I mean, it's yeah. have to assume her mother hasn't really spoken to her about those sorts of things yet. <laughs> but uh, um, anything else about Alan in Minnesota's? Well, feedback? you know, like that's a great point about how does Elias go from committing mass murder in front of a police officer to being in charge of everything. I like the comparison of uh, Hitler's rising after the beer hall putsch. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question there. Um, and, and again, one, Alan, I, I, my, what, I don't know if it's not really a satisfactory answer, but the one we kind of, that I've been falling back on this whole podcast, is just, there's just some stuff in here that, you know, kind of, they don't really explain uh, in the show, and they just kind of let it go. And so, you know, I guess for the this, you know, I don't know, you know, like I, I just think they don't. Obviously, that's a big jump that they don't like. They don't address at all because that's a great question. How does how on earth does that happen? So, I just want to let you know, Alan. Also, that I have started watching devs, uh, and uh, while the first couple i almost stopped after about 10 minutes because it's so unbelievably slow and boring in like the first 10 to 15 minutes uh but i stuck with it and so far it's uh, actually pretty good so i'll probably give you my assessment of it next week all right now alan in england uh brings up the nod to patchy in dark 
Um, and I think, as he points yeah. out, we never really do learn why he's wearing an eye patch. No, I don't think so. In in, in dark, but uh, I doubt that the the body's creators are making a nod to dark. But you never know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he mentions also that no one seems to be aware of the fact that they're in a loop. Um, right. Which, um, except for kind it, of at it, the end. Well, well Defoe well, maybe. Yeah. You know, like right? and Shahara, right? You know, we talked already a couple times about her. You know, realizing that things are changing, that that her memories are changing, and things. So, right. Um, but does she know because of Defoe? But I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and then Fred, uh, we already mentioned, you know, when he brings up the question about why doesn't Defoe just send Maddox way back, uh, which would have solved the problem, but maybe not. You know, I mean, maybe KYAL would just be, you know, brought back by somebody else. So I don't know. Um, yeah. It could be he, one of those Brits that's super pissed off about losing the colony. So maybe like, yeah. you know, goes and kills George Washington when he's just a little yeah. kid or something, you know, like, yeah. you never know what now, could happen. Yeah. Now, Fred brings up the, the, the question about 1889 versus 1890, you know, what's the deal? Um, you know, I wonder if it's maybe something as simple as a lack of precision of the throat that will set it for 1890 but you know the tolerance is you know plus or minus maybe a few months so maybe you go end up at the end of 1889 maybe the beginning of 18 i mean i don't know that would be my only uh explanation for well i would say that he ends up in 1889 because that's where he ended up before right right but but fred brings up the fact that Mannix tells Defoe to set it for 1890. Right. Why didn't he tell him to set it for 1889? I don't know. Because he probably told himself to tell Defoe to set 1890. Okay. You know, like and, he knows everything that's going to happen. And he, you know, like, yeah, set it for 1890 and I know I'm going to end up in 1889. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So. Kind of. As much, yeah. as, as much <laughs> as anything makes sense with this show. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else? Anything about uh, Alan or Fred? Uh, we had just talked about like there was a lot of kind of inconsistencies with this show and everything. I think we've you know kind of belabored that point. Um, yeah. I like that what you said there about how Alfred, you know, if if he didn't get arrested, like he obviously would not spend two seconds talking to Iris, but because he gets arrested, he, he doesn't have anywhere to go. So he has to stay there, and he has to listen to her. Um, that was a great point. I didn't think about that. Um, and then, of course, also before, as I said, the the chilling setting, as you describe it, I totally was projecting what I remembered from this episode onto the one. I retroactively agree with you on that one, Fred. So, All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and leave it there? It's yeah. been a fun ride with bodies. Uh, doesn't sound like we're going to get a second season, but yeah, whatever. We'll, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I said, do they do they put that little thing at the end just because you know? In the end, money always talks, right? And if this uh, series, I don't know how popular it was. It seems like it did pretty well. You know, if this series made them money, then you know they'd be like, all right, 
we're doing well, season well, two. Yeah. Well, you know, you say that you, you know the the history of Money Heist. Um, Mo- I don't. Money Heist originally aired on you know regular Spanish TV. And their time slots are a little weird. It sounded like they have a 10.40 p.m. to 11.40 p.m. time slot. And initially, it did pretty well. And then the viewership just dropped off drastically. So after what we know as part one concluded, they're like, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. We're done. And Netflix came along and bought it. And, you know, it did okay. I think they put it on Netflix Spain for a while at the beginning. But, but then, of course, the rest is history. It just, you know, yeah. just blew up. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, um, um, you know, and, and here we are talking about yeah. cultural phenomenon that, that people should be aware of if they want their cultural literacy to uh, uh, stand tall. But yeah. anyway, all right, let's go ahead and leave it there. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about bodies. You know, if you've got any explanations that make more sense than what we've got, love to hear them. <laughs> By all sci-fi, means. Yeah, sci-fi <laughs> TV Rewatch at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Check out the Facebook group where we'll be posting the order of the uh, Black Mirror episodes we'll be covering after USS Callister which we will cover next week. Until then. All right. So, Dave, I just want you to listen to me. And then you can choose to believe me or not. But it's not like you have anywhere better to be. 